Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. A lot of decisions in life come down to simple choices, and we can go one way or the other. There's a great quote by J.K. Rowling saying, Rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. This really sums up a lot of the experiences of my next guest. His story is one of the most compelling I've had on Move Your Mind. He's incredibly candid about the difficult situations that he went through and how he eventually turned it all around. He's written best-selling books. He's one of the most sought-after speakers in Australia. And I just really enjoyed this interview, and I'm sure it's someone I'm going to stay in touch with. It's just amazing to be able to connect with these kind of people. Luke Kennedy's a mental health advocate, best-selling author, and one of Australia's most sought-after speakers. And I think you guys are going to take so much out of this. Thank you again for supporting us week on week. If you want to learn more, you can join the Move Your Mind community. All of the links for that are at moveyourmind.me. And you can buy the Move Your Mind book, by going to nickbrax.com slash book. And we've also relaunched Underbrax and are donating a dollar from every pair to mental health. You can find that at www.underbrax.com. Luke, thank you, mate, for, for coming on the podcast. We've gone back and forth a few times and finally got there. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm glad we could do it. And uh, I've had a look at the work you're doing and we're chatting, you know, just before we actually pressed record and sounds like you're doing an ama- amazing work and love talking to people like you and, you know, learning, learning from you. And, you know, I think these just being able to relate as well on, on certain topics is always great. So yeah, appreciate you making the time. Thank you, mate. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me. No, thank you, mate. So I guess before we go into it, um, can we, can you just give a background on yourself and how you got to where you are now and the work that you're doing? Okay. Uh, so for, I'll get, I'll get through the sort of heavy, heavy stage first, just to get to where I am now for about eight years of my life from 15 to 22, 23, I was obese, weighed nearly 130 kilos. I was the leader of a street fighting gang in Sydney. I was stabbed twice, a drug addict, alcoholic and I came pretty close to killing somebody myself so it was a it was a heavy heavy eight years and you know during that time of my life I'd pretend I was this strong confident this big heavy tough guy you know and even happy at times I'd muck around and be happy you know but on the inside you know when I was at home alone I had my demons big time you know scared depressed anxious paranoid I hated myself really hated myself. So it was a big, heavy, heavy eight years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And now after, after turning things around that we'll get to soon, but after turning mm-hmm. things around now, I'm speaking at schools, speaking at primary schools, high schools, prisons, and corporate events, speaking on, on resilience, motivation, and self-awareness. So it's been a, 
it's been a trip. It's been a big journey and, and I'm incredibly grateful for how it's turned out. Blessed, really blessed. Yeah, well, I mean, huge credit to you, mate, because that's um, a, a big turnaround. And it's, yeah, I think already just hearing, you know, talking with you and seeing how genuine you are, genuine you are. And um, I, I think just hearing these kind of stories is so powerful and it's what really helps people, you know. Yeah. And that's what I found when I first got into the mental health work. It was 15 years ago almost. And really what I'm doing even today is a similar thing of just at the beginning, I didn't even, you know, know what I was doing, but I'd go and just talk honestly and openly and be vulnerable and raw and it really helped people. And I know for, for me and, you know, when I hear other people talking like that, that's what, that's where you really, you know, we want to hear real stories and, you know, learn right, from that yeah. and we need it more, more than ever. So yeah, I think it's just great that you're, you know, the, the such an amazing story, you know, that you're, you, what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I think those in the internal battles started, you know, the, my mental health issues, it was really, I suppose, coming from a early on some deep insecurities, you know, growing up, I was overweight, big kid, extremely like a big kid and those deep insecurities on the inside. And, and during that time, you know, as this big kid, um, my dad and brother, brother were both professional boxers and I'd go to the gym and not to train, just to watch. <laughs> and I'd watch my dad, my brother, and uh, all these other professional boxers. And I saw them as like these warrior men, you know, these big, tough gods even. And I saw the way the the, the, the great fighters were respected. You know, people were slapping them on the back, helping them out, doing things for them. Yeah. And as an impressionable young young kid, I was like, wow, I want a piece of that respect. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to be that man. I'd love to be that person. And I just went about it the wrong way. I went about it in the streets, you know, and... And in how, how the sort of the, the journey started to get into that gang, when I was in like year seven, the start of high school, I got into a fight with a guy that was in year 10, this guy mm. was a bit older than me. And as from year seven to 10, that's like fighting a man, you know, it was just his, <laughs> and yeah, it was big, it was a big, big jump for me. And, and I beat him in front of pretty much the whole school. And from that day on, you know, I was, I felt that bit of respect, you know, people are like, bang, this guy's, this, he can fight. Do you see him that? He can fight. And, and then I just ran with it from, ran with it from there. And then seven, eight, nine, then I got kicked out of school, met some heavy guys in the streets of Sydney and seeing the way, you know, being known as the fighter, being known as the main man from there, I just climbed my way, climbed my, my way up the ranks of this, of this crew. And then I attached myself to the label of the fighter, the leader, uh, criminal, and then it was just spinning out of control. And, you know, I was just trying to, I suppose, back then, just trying to suppress and, and drown those internal battles. And I wasn't looking at my stuff. I was drowning them through drugs, through alcohol and through fights. And by drowning them and suppressing them, they just pop out in other areas of my life. I wasn't looking at my stuff. And I suppose that's what compounded my dark depression, just pushing my stuff down and just pop up in, in different areas. Well, I mean, and it, it can't not sort of lead to you know eventually something dramatic happening if that when and that's what so many people are doing on on a big scale and a small scale but you know I talk about it like it would be like if you're shoving rubbish into a bin and you know the bin's full and you just keep stomping on top of the bin to push it down eventually it's going to pop and overflow and where and you know this isn't the fault of of any individual this is we're not taught you know how to understand emotions we're not taught how to 
like what you're saying and similar in a different way in my story, like these identity issues. And then we're screaming for, okay, well, how do I fit in? Who am I? And we try and find a way to, you know, we want to attach to something and that might not be something that's positive for us, but we don't have the awareness at the time. So it's yeah. so important to talk about. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you're right. It's just about as well with the students bringing some awareness that we all got those internal thoughts, you know, cause I speak to, after speaking to some of the students, you know, I'm sure you got, you get them as well. Some of them like, I thought I was the only one with these thoughts. I thought I was crazy. If you have a voice in your head, you hear that it's crazy, you know, and I'm like, we've all got that internal dialogue, you know, and bringing some awareness to it and, and separating yourself from it. I think that's the first step and the first path of, of coming back to, to purity, back to who they really are deep down. And, and so, yeah, I, I think, the, like what you're doing and what we're all doing, bringing some awareness behind um, the stigma of mental health or the overactive mind, I think is the is one of the biggest steps. And so credit to you too, man. Yeah, thank you. But like exactly what you said, I've heard that time and time again, where you go and do these things and you hear people saying what you said, you know, I thought I was the only one. And it's almost like mm-hmm. you're being given permission to realize that, hey, you're not unique and this there's nothing wrong with you. This is part of being a human. And everyone in different ways goes through it, even the people that look like they've got it all together, everyone. You, you exactly. can't not, and it's okay. And there's actually ways we can, you know, work through this and, and, and find, a, you know, find a healthier way forward. Yes, and find who they are really are deep down. Because when, when we're trying to live up to those, those, I suppose, those labels or the false self or the ego, that's where uh, a lot of the worries about what other people think come into play. Because if if we're not being ourselves, we've got to keep living up to this false identity and the concerns of other people just sort of chip away at us big time. And mm. I suppose that's mm. what that's what a lot of my crime as well came back back down to about not being in here, not being my true self and trying to impress people, worrying what people think and trying to live up to it. Even you know, when I was stabbed, the guy who I had the I, I had a bit of drama with this guy and um, everyone organized when we saw each other we're gonna have a fight. As soon as I see this guy as in the city as soon as i see him he pulls out and unfolds an eye and you know i had i had every opportunity to turn around and take off in the other direction you know it was he was far away but you know being with one of my friends and mm. him being with the crew of his guys what we it happens in a split second you know that whenever we're going to do something or not do something it's that someone's what are they going to think what are they going to think what are they going to think what are they going to think, what are they gonna think? What are they gonna... and then we base our choice on that rather yeah. than what's going on in here so it happens in a split second, and when you become aware of that, you can you can you can notice that, and and the, like I said, the awareness is the first step because without a, being aware of it, we just make that split split decision, that split choice, our action based on those concerns or what other people think, rather than okay, come back to here. What do I feel? And by doing that, that what's he going that split second? You know, I run straight ahead towards this guy that's holding the knife, and I jump in and throw a punch. And then he does the same, then everything just stops. You know, it was like he was frozen. It was um, it was this weird feeling. It was like we we're in our own world. I mean, my friend was fighting his wow. friend, but we like, it was this weird sort of feeling. And then I feel like this warm paint going down my back. And I look over my shoulder, so there's blood gushing out of a wound. So he stabbed me and he takes off, so do his friends. My friend rushes over, puts, puts pressure on the bleeding. And I'm standing there, you know, my vision starts closing in. I cough, cough up my blood, and then bang, I collapse. I'm on the deck. Wow. Yeah, I'm laying there, and like I couldn't see. I can hear sirens in the background. And, you know, I'm laying there. I'm thinking, this, this is it. I'm done, you know. And, and 
But in my head, even back then, the power of the false self and the ego was like, I hope I survive. Not because, you know, I wanted to live, but just to uh, hear the story of my survival. You know, like I've been stabbed now. He survived. No one can stop. The ego was so powerful and that false self was had such a grip on me. Like that. And don't get me wrong, the ego can be a great thing. The ego gets as competitive. The ego can be a good thing if we use it to our advantage. But this, the, my identity back then was just suffocating me. And that's all I thought about was, you know, not not living to to live, but yeah, just to hear the story of, of my survival. And I wake up in hospital, my mum's crying, my dad's fuming, and and the the doctors come in, they tell me it's a punctured lung. The knife went in my shoulder blade and punctured my lung. And it was it missed my heart by a few centimeters as well. So I was like, I was lucky. I was just lucky, you know. And wow. Yeah. So and two weeks into my recovery, do you do? Is this okay to go on with this story? We're, we're cool. No, please, good? mate. Please, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's super fascinating. Okay, so two weeks into my recovery, I'm sitting at home, you know, just being myself. You know what we're like when we're at home, just being our weird and wacky selves, wearing our shitty clothes, whatever, just chilling out, you know. And yeah. so I was being, I was just being myself. But then uh, I get a phone call, and I look at my phone, and it was one of my friends, you know, and when. As soon as I saw the name, you know, his name come up on that, that, that I suppose my true self, my weird and wacky self, the, the, the identity just comes back on, you know, of who yeah. I thought I had to be. And I even spoke different. I was like, hey, what's doing? You know, trying, trying to sound yeah. tough. And, and again, another one, like there's, there's the little intricate, there's these little, I suppose, these little actions that we do or these little things that we do um, when we become aware of ourselves, the, the little things that we notice that take us away from our true self, there can be little shifty little things, you know, but with big consequences. And, and even the one of the little shifty ones is, you know, around certain people that, that speak in a little bit different, you know, just to sort of blend in a bit or using words we normally wouldn't even use, you know? And, and, and I say this to the students as well, if you ever find yourself, you know, I suppose speaking a little bit different, hang out with certain friends or feel pressured to use different words around certain people and they're bringing you down. I'm like, they're not your people. Mm -hmm. They're not your people. And it's like, don't let anybody in your life make you feel like you're not good enough. If there's people in your life that make you feel like you have to change who you are and they're bringing you down, they're not your people. And, and so that for me back then though, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. I had no, like you said, no, no, no awareness, no tools, no, nobody to listen to, no mentors. I didn't understand this self-awareness. I didn't understand all this stuff. So doing that, okay, what's doing? He said, the guy that stabbed you is at a party and on the North Shore in Sydney. And he's like, do you want to go get him? And inside my head, you know, like in here, in, in my heart, I should say, I was like, no, not really. But again, what's he going to think? What should I do? He's going to, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, come get me. So go out into my parents' kitchen. I'm still living at home. I was like 18. Open up the kitchen drawer. There's all these knives sitting in there. And I pick up a knife myself and I'm standing there holding it. And the process starts happening. You know, the don't do this. Don't mm-hmm. you kill this guy. You're going to dead. Yeah, but your boys are coming. You got to fight. You're the driver. You're the leader. You got, yeah, but don't do this. You don't want to do this. What if you, what if you end up in jail? What do your parents get? Yeah, but what? And again, though, listening to the conditioned mind and the worries about what other people think and, and my insecurities put the knife down the side of my pants. I go out the front, four of my close friends rock up, I get in the car and we're driving through the city. I remember going over the Harbour Bridge and nobody was speaking. It felt like nobody was breathing. There was this thick, like this thick energy in there made me feel sick. And inside my head, I'm like, please, I just want to go home. Mm. But get to the front of this party 
And the boys would tap me on the back. Let's go. Let's get him swearing, carrying on, hit me. Let's get him. And, you know, because one ego by itself, one false self, you know, can be pretty harsh. But if you start adding a couple around, it can be, become deadly. You know, they're yeah. all bouncing off each other's identities or bouncing off each other's. Whereas if we just, you know, all of us in that car, five of us in that car, not one of us really wanted to be there. You know, each one, everyone was just bang, 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 worrying about worrying about trying to live up to this identity. So I run up to the front of this party and I boot the door in and I run through. And I'm screaming, you know, where is he? Screaming, throwing his friends on the floor. And, you know, on the outside, it was like, like I look, looked like I was looking for him. But on the inside, I'm like, please don't be here. You know, I don't want this guy to be here. You know, a few moments passed. It felt like a few hours and I had like the realisation, I'm like, he's not here. He's not here. So I leave and I find that the next day, the guy I was looking for was using the toilet inside that party. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He was in there when I busted through the front door and, sta- and stayed in there. You know, and those, yeah. I speak to students about this as well. The choices, you know, that just those choices. If the knife a slightly different angle, I'm not here. Him not use the toilet, I'm not here. Hmm. And yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, and it was just story after story. It was just big, it was just drama after drama during that time, and it was just yeah, just compounding my darkness on the inside. Mate, that's yeah. You know, well, thank you, you know, for sharing this because it's yeah, it's so powerful, and yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I guess like you're saying, these time you change one little thing, and it could have gone gone the other way, and you've been able to come through it and take all of these lessons and then educate people through these different lessons. So I guess like, and again, if I equate it, you know, in a, in a different way, I, I was off the rails and climaxed in a car crash where the same thing, it, my best friend was lying in the back of the car and it wrapped around a tree and he jolted up just as it hit. And had he not done that, he's killed instantly. And um, he, he still had to go to surgery. And, you know, the police that came said they'd never seen a crash like that where anyone survived. So it was one of those things where, we were so fortunate and I had all these learnings, but because I was so in the thick of things at that point, I actually still kept going and, you know, yeah. repeating the same behavior as, of getting drunk and getting in these situations. And it took, you know, to a point of just being almost catatonic to have to change it. Like for you, when this whole period, was that the turning point or did it continue for a period yeah, longer was- before you went and... Yeah, there, there wasn't a turn. It was just another. It was just another. It was just another identity, like stab victim. Now I've been stabbed. So it's just a, and I could, and even going to get that guy was another form of me. Like I could, everyone was talking about it that I raided this part. It was just this whole. It was like a. So it fuels it like the ego pop- again, and it's yeah, yeah. It just this popularity contest. You yeah, know, this pop- yeah. people talking about me, and I was just. And and that wasn't at all. That wasn't the the turning point. You know, I saw friends drop dead right in front of me on drug on pills. On wow. uh, I was stabbed in the head as well with two bottles. Like it was just these, it was just crazy times. But the the start, I suppose, there's a few. There was a few things that helped me start turning it around. It was boxing. Getting into my boxing was it was a big was a big change. I firstly I got my, I got a job. I wasn't working during that time, and I was you know breaking the law to make my money and just living this you know this crappy existence i was getting up whenever i wanted i was eating whenever i wanted to go in the bed i had no structure you know mm-hmm. for a young man you need some structure and discipline and but i didn't have that so getting a job 
was a was a was a big turning point. Uh, and working at this place, it was actually a, a handbag factory, so <laughs> wasn't really the career of a lifetime. But it was like again, it was the start. I needed to get some structure in my life. And working at the handbag place, I made a little change. I stopped eating takeaway and started packing my own lunch. And I weighed nearly 130 kilos at this stage. Big guy. Yeah, yeah. And and just that little and no muscle. It was just like chips and gravy and Bundy rum. <laughs> and, <laughs> And making the little changes and, and again, taking back to some of the students, I speak as well that the little changes matter, you know, all that big goal in life, we hear it all the time. All the big one is a bunch of little, little yeah. changes in the way, but we forget so about true. the little ones. We think they're too small, but the little ones, you know, and even going to bed earlier is a, is a little change reading instead of telly, uh, going for a walk instead of sitting on the couch, you know, asking for help if you need it change, you know, these little changes matter. And, the change I made, no takeaway, packed my lunch. Soon I lost five kilos, then 10. Started boxing, you know, started doing a bit of training. And I said to my dad, dad, teach me how to box. I want to fight. He's like, stay focused. You know, show me if you got what it takes. So that in itself, again, making little changes. Look at, I ended up losing 50 kilos. Started boxing. Yeah. Won my first three fights by knockout on top of the world. Life was flying. No more drugs, no more alcohol. Pushed that aside. Hang out with the crew sometimes for a feed, not partying, but still seeing my friends every now and again. And life was set. Life was going great. And But all the changes I was making, though, were in the physical space. Yeah. Right? There's nothing really changing up here or, or in here where the lasting change happens. And, and I was making some good changes, don't get me wrong, some great changes. But again, I was just all in the physical. And continuing to make changes in the physical, I decided to join the Navy. And I was like a proud career, this beautiful career. And I had some drama with my, my criminal history to get in, but then supplying references, I'm in, right? I'm like, great, life set. And then I go to Thailand with my brother as a last little party, a last little hurrah before going into training for the Navy. And the first night I'm in Thailand, after living that clean life for so long, I party hard, get on it, carry on. I disrespected the Thai people Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The culture and the land of Thailand. This was back in 2008. I disrespected the people there carrying on like it, just a drunk idiot, really. And I paid a heavy price. I jump on a motorbike and I get hit by a truck. So I break both bones in my leg, my hip, my pelvis, and my jaw. Wow. Yeah, so I wake up. And, yeah, going so good too. Yeah, so I wake up. I wake up in hospital, and other chaotic events happen. I won't go into too much, too, too many details here because that, a lot of it's in the book, uh, "Sex, Drugs, and the Buddhist Monk." That's coming out, but a lot of chaotic events happened, and it was a result of me disrespecting the the, the land of Thai, of Thailand. You know, I was, I was I was I paid the price for that, and but then a monk comes into play, and. This monk, he shows me, you know, a lot of why the chaotic events were happening in my life. 
you know, why all this drama? Why all the why the chaos? Why the mental health issues? Why why I was attracting all this stuff into my life? And a lot of it, like I said earlier, was me not looking at my my darkness, not looking at my emotions, not feeling my emotions, and not looking at my traumas, my triggers, my shadows, the the past stuff that I was. I just pushed everything aside, suppressed it, drowned it. And like I said, they'd pop, then they started popping out in other areas, even turning my, when I was turning my life around, they'd pop out where I'd be in a relationship for about three months and then close up and get out. Yeah. You know, I close my heart up, not trust and get out and blame yeah. them. Um, yep. They come out in drug and alcohol, getting blind drunk because I was just, again, just trying to drown them. They come out in anger, impatience, fear. Uh, worries and because I wasn't looking at my stuff they'd, they'd be popping out in other areas so this monk who in the book is turned into an, an archetypal I suppose reflection of a lot of the insights I've come across these past 10 years and a lot from a lot of the masters as well that I've learned from as well has all, all been compressed into this hmm. into this monk and and by he showed me by looking at my and sitting in my suffering which was tough sitting in my suffering sitting in without the distractions, sitting in it, feeling it, understanding it with help as well, then I could venture and move through it right, and move on rather than mm-hmm. rather than let it chip away at me my whole entire life. And that was a big turning point. And it's been a big process since then. It was it didn't just change then because I, I got back to Sydney and put all the weight back on and started carrying on again. But all these years later, you know, 10, 12 years later, whatever what year are we in 15 years later <laughs> maths isn't the best <laughs> <laughs> all these years later uh it's been in particular these past 12 months man these past 12 months have uh been the hardest of my life but the most beneficial and the most uh i suppose the most aware i've been and the most uh yeah, being able being able to understand why why a lot of my past was happening, being a lot of to understand a lot of my 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 triggers, my traumas, and it's been tough. It's been really tough, but it's been incredibly beneficial because I've I want to have a family. I want to ha- I want to step into a full relationship with an incredible woman and have a family and and be the man to do that. And even though I was ma- I've made some big changes over my life, I wasn't. I wasn't, I thought I was, but I wasn't the man I thought I, I was to be able to st- step up and be a dad and be, be in a family because I, I had trust. I'd get out and I was loyal. Don't get me wrong. I'd be loyal in relationships physically, but not energetically. Yeah. I'd be a close off, but I'd still stay. And, and for, to be in a relationship, you know, women, women are incredibly intuitive and they could feel that, you know, and they could feel Absolutely. that. And, and and I'd open up hearts and then I'd, I'd freak out and get out, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's not right. So, but now this past two years in particular has been a lot of sitting in my suffering, sitting in my stuff with help, definitely with mm-hmm. help, been torn, torn the pieces at times, been brought to my knees, but it's, it's sitting in and, and feeling what I'd been distracting myself from for my entire life and, I'm, I'm I'm incredibly thankful some, for some great people in my life to help me through this process. I'm one man in particular named Dan Regan. Uh, he's called the Shadow Hound. He's an incredible man, and he's helped me big time. A, a mentor of mine and, a, and, my, and my best friend too. What that man's done for me uh, has changed my life. 
big time. I thought my life was good before, but these past two years have been tough. But like I said, now I'm in this space where I'm in, in, incredibly grounded and 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 less floaty, less pretend happiness, but embodiment of, of the happiness. And it's and because I moved to Byron uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and rocking up to Byron, uh, Byron's and the energetics of Byron is brings up a lot. It brings up a lot there, you know. And I rocked up, and all this stuff started. Ha- coming up in me this regret this shame this guilt these stuff from my past that i'd forgotten or forgotten about but pushed aside and and it was all coming up and i was like what is it i gotta get out of here this isn't me i'm I'm happy i'm a happy dude i'm a speaker i'm in mental health this isn't Mm. me i don't stuff what do you what do you mean i don't suffer and but again it was my escape artist of 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 me looking at and closing up and, and making change and getting out, but sitting in it, meeting Dan in particular. Um, Cause he's, you know, when I arrived to Byron, it's a spiritual place, but a lot of it, I suppose me, I was in a, a lot of it was a, a lot of talking about spirituality. It was, everything's about, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was a lot of different courses, different events and different, all this, but it was just, it was, it felt like too much. It was like, it was all talk with some incredible people that I met, but it was me looking at it in the wrong light because I was like, it was bringing up too much for me. But then I met Dan and he spoke about it, but he was more an embodiment of it. And I sat with him and I was like, Fuck, this, this man's a powerful man. And sitting with him and, and, and the process that he's taken, taking me through over these past 18 months or whatever it is, is, has been, has been yeah a game changer. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. And I'm thankful now for, for being able to sit and not distract and and even because my distractions were as well was dating was uh was uh sex was uh you know even even my re- I was addicted to my reading I was I was always distracting myself from from sitting still from sitting in my contemplation from and now you know I'm I've I've, I'm, I'm celibate at the moment as well. No dating, no self pleasure as well. So it's been it's been a long time as well. So no yeah. release, no releasing. And and again, it's it's about me sitting in my, sitting in it without the distractions. And and like I said, it's been tough, but the best thing I've ever done because now I'm I'm I'm, I'm embodying what I'm what I'm teaching, and it feels good. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're gonna be lo- loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it. And we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Yeah. Well, again, you know, thank you for, I think what I'm loving so much about 
um, well, so many things about about you already in this interview, but just the fact that you are so genuine and so honest, I think it's just, you know, that's I think it's just the most important thing. And the message you're saying there as well, that's a such an important message that where and I, I went through that as well, where I'd worked on myself and then I quickly was getting, you know, talks and becoming a doing this mental health advocacy and then didn't realize that, oh, I was sort of, you know, you start hiding behind that or thinking that you still don't have a lot of work to do yourself. And it doesn't, you know, we all, we never, we literally never get to a point where we don't stop working on ourselves. And, you know, if you do, then you're sort of, you're stopping growing. And that's just, it's a, it's an ongoing process forever and we're going to have ups and downs. And I think reminding ourselves that is so important because it's not, it's not about getting to an end point. And I think we, it's a really hard thing to grasp and I still really struggle with it because I've got that nature of, you know, competitive nature. You're looking for the next thing and it, you can't look at it that way, but we're taught to look at life in that way because that's how society is. And it's about acquiring things and moving and it's sort of restructuring and reframing our whole view on how we, how we see things. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, it is a, such an important message for kids and for everyone to understand that this is an ongoing journey it's something that we just need to learn as a life skill and apply to our life in a day-to-day sense and you know we don't we don't stop learning well said man well said you're right it's important and, um, yeah thank you and everyone's different too like what i do might not work for somebody else what they exactly do might not. and because people's people's struggles are from different different i suppose different stimuli different events different past even generational stuff we don't even like there's exactly people's people's struggles are from different things and and uh it's not a one-size-fits-all for for everybody you know even with some of the kids it's like oh maybe i'll play basketball with them to get that connection (laughs) some don't want to talk on the phone so they'll text me so there's all these different different things that we're with different approaches because yeah we're we're all different creatures and i think that's the one of the best parts of life too absolutely so the majority of your your work now is that going and talking? Is that you travel? You're telling me you're traveling, talking at schools, and is that sort of the the main thing you're focusing on at the moment? Exactly, that's all I do. My, my speaking and my my speaking and my writing. Yeah, it's my the, the speaking uh, fell into place. Uh, I didn't. I, I wanted to. I wanted to do it like big time. I wanted to, but I back then my insecurities. The book came out and. My first book came out in late 2014 and I was invited to come speak to a, to a school after a teacher read the book. And I was terrified, man. I was like, like the, the, the self-doubt that like, it was, it was heavy for me. My social awkwardness back then, it was big. I couldn't even speak to somebody I didn't know without stuttering, but, you know, stepping up through those doubts and hang it just, it just took off. And now it's, yeah, so it's, 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 it's my mission, my purpose, and passion all rolled into one. Mate, well, commend you on it. And again, I'm just, I keep going back to my own examples because I'm just, there's so many parallels here. And I was the exact same where I fell into it. I was so insecure, insecure, so afraid of my own shadow that I literally couldn't look someone in the eyes and have a conversation. And when I had been through that whole period, I eventually had to do something. And I got into this course at university and it was a business entrepreneurship course. And we had to do, you know, 15 presentations in the first semester and I was in such a bad way at that point that I had to actually do something because I was just doing nothing abusing alcohol and Mm -hmm. I was about to pull out of the course and I was panicking and I was like sick to my stomach and I'd turn up and do these talks and I'd be vomiting before talking in front of five people and 
just to go from that to then, you know, hearing that you've gone from that to now making that your career is such a cool message for anyone because it just shows, you know, you can, you can go and there's no, no right or wrong approach to things and you can overcome anything really, if you want to put your, put your mind and your heart into it. So it's yeah. Amazing, amazing story and amazing message, mate. I love it. Thank you, brother. Well said. Thank you. Um, so your your book uh, that has come out or it's coming out soon, and can you tell us a little bit about that? And we'll we'll have all the links for it in Beautiful. the show notes. But yeah, love to let our listeners know a bit about your book. Cool. So, sex, drugs, and a Buddhist monk has just been published. That was published a few weeks ago. So that's the journey of me. Just when I turned things around, I went to Thailand, and then the monk comes into play. So it's the journey of me understanding to look inside with the cool stories. Uh, sex, drugs, and a Buddhist monk. And the other one is coming out in November, which is uh, Rockpool Publishing has uh, republished my first book, Stabbed Ego, and it's now Redemption Road. So that's getting published in November. And that's my story through my childhood, uh, the fights, the ego, the false self, and the journey out of that. Amazing. Amazing, mate. And uh, where where can people go if they want to if they want to find information about you your books you know what's the best place for us to to send them the books are going to uh, in bookstores so any bookstore yep. you go to uh if you want to find me my insta is probably the best luke's kennedy l-u-k-e-s kennedy yep. great so, and again <laughs> this will all be in the show notes and um yeah but definitely make sure you anyone listening check it out and go and go and have a look for the book because yeah i mean this story already has been amazing I, i'm i can't wait to read your book myself and, you know, learn more about this. So uh, we finish every episode with just five closing questions. So these can be sort of quick answers, whatever comes to mind, nothing too crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, the first one is what's the, your best childhood memory that comes to mind? Ooh. Being in at Newtown PCYC with my dad, brother, and all the other boxers. Definitely. And Johnny Lewis is an incredible man. Johnny Lewis, a Hall of Famer, boxing trainer, great man. Oh, yeah, just the laughs and the and the banter and and watching people that I really looked up to. Probably that. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, what do you think currently in society is the biggest burden on mental health? Media, social media and media. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably every, I'd say 90% of people have said that. And I agree. It's, yeah, it's, it's a big one. And that one, that one there can, you know, it's, you know, cause it's, it's, it's another distraction piece, you know, another distraction from sitting in self and, and just little changes around your phones and, and can matter even just quickly that if just one little boundary around your phone, if there's food in your mouth or food on the table in front of you, just start with that boundary, no phone. <laughs> Yeah, you know, on your food, taste your food, connect with those people around you. It's making little steps around our phones, little boundaries in place. So even just start with that. I couldn't agree more. What's your personal definition of happiness? Whew. Bro, that's a good question. When am I happiest or my personal definition of happiness? Sorry, your personal definition of happiness. I guess, yeah, I ask that because I'm trying to sort of get people to reframe, I guess, yeah, reframe how we've been taught to be happy. 
versus you know yeah my personal definition of of happiness is 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 my peace is when i'm at mm. peace when my mind is still and sim- simple things too when my mind's still and i'm just sitting in a cafe with my friends just happiness just yeah when i suppose the yeah. the it's the same as enlightenment the buddha says instead of saying what it is he says what it, what, what it's not it's the end of suffering yes i love that that's a great great way to put it yeah what are you most afraid of oh sorry cool it's a 10-year anniversary of underbrax and we've relaunched with the classic white pair We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbrax.com. My parents dying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's been a, it's a big one. My parents have been there my entire life and mm. I've done a lot for me. And it's great to be able to give give back now, but yeah, my parent losing my parents is a big one. So that's a big yes, that's a bit deep, but yes, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a big one. Um, and final one on a more positive note, uh, what are you yeah, most proud go. of? <laughs> what, am I, <laughs> uh, what am I most proud of for myself? Yeah, or yeah, for, in in your own yeah in your own life. Out of I mean yeah, what are you? For yourself, what are you most proud of? Sure. I'm most proud of uh, exactly what I'm doing now is just speaking uh, and, yeah, being able to to help our youth, to help our youth through struggles. I used to think I was lucky back in the past of all the stuff I got through, but it wasn't luck. It was, I think I was looked after, looked mm. after to be able to, to, to go through this purpose of, of being there for, for our youth to help them through some struggles or help them through successes, I should say, help them through their successes too. and but what I what I'm my my big goal, like I said, there's something I'm I'm going to be extremely proud of is when I become a dad. Like it's not yeah. it's that's what I that's I feel for myself. There's no greater purpose, you know, with the speaking as well, but with the helping our youth. But to be a be a man, be a, a family man, providing and leading a beautiful family, and that's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to, and that's what a lot of the stuff, the therapy, the energetic healing, the the, the diving deep, the sitting, my, that's what it's all for. So I can be that mm. man capable of, of having a family. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing more meaningful is there, but I think it's a great, great one to end on. And and just, you know, it is a, a good message. What you're saying that we in everyone, we should all work on ourselves when we want to enter into those things, when we want to have a relationship and have kids and it's a, it's a big area. It's tough. You know, it's something I'm continually working on and we we all should be and yeah i I think it's a great great message and mate i would love to you know do a follow-up podcast with you and we'll have to stay in touch because love everything that you're about and so glad you know it's my favorite thing about doing the podcast i get to meet people like yourself and sit down and you know have these in-depth conversations and build these connections and i really appreciate you know you're making the time to do it and i'm sure we'll stay in touch and yeah love everything you're doing Thank you, man. Yeah, definitely would love to stay in touch. You're a good man. You're an incredible man. And you're doing you're doing some great stuff. Even you do you work in an underwear sort of underwear company as well? Like modeling, underwear, actor, speaker, mental health advocate. You're killing it, brother. Good stuff. A few different things, but uh, yeah, yeah that, the underwear was a while back, but yeah, trying to. <laughs> but again, like what you were saying, trying to trying to also um, you know, make sure that I work on keep working on myself and don't get too caught up in the 
doing things for the for the wrong reasons so it's a <laughs> continu- continual nice. battle but <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> nice man nice awesome thanks so much mate thank you brother thanks to luke kennedy for joining me today for move your mind and just a reminder that the move your mind book is available at nickbrax.com book you can join the move your mind community by going to moveyourmind.me and you can buy a pair of underbracks and help in mental health by going to www.underbracks.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.